When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Hey, welcome back to Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Uh, the lovely thing is, Rockio and I are in the same studio right now. So, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Great to look over there and see your wonderful face. I know. I'm doing great. Great to look over there and see your wonderful face. I know. And you just were commenting on my big, nice, uh, warm sweater. And even though it's technically still summer because we have a few days, I think uh, I think uh, fall starts on Saturday, right? It does start on Saturday. And, and people might not know this, but uh, every studio in the world, colder than you would ever think. The Point Studio is the coldest place in St. Louis, so everybody's uh, everybody that tunes into the Riz Show uh, on YouTube is always commenting, and that's a nice way of putting what they say about my outfits because I'm I'm dressed like like a grandma, and today I'm in this like I mean this this doubles as a blanket in a cabin in Colorado. It does kind of look like it would be a blanket. Yes. Your grandma has a cabin in Colorado. That's the blanket yeah. on the couch, 100. percent This is this is the blanket next to the bearskin rug. Uh, not what I would have worn to the match yesterday. I did not go though because you know it was a school night. Uh, for St. Louis City to be playing on a Wednesday. But hey, man, I kind of like those midweek matches. It was super, super fun uh, to watch. But before we get into the St. Louis City versus LAFC, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Houston match since we didn't get to talk about it. 1-1 draw. Uh, what did you see on the field out there? Again, and it's going to be kind of come a theme of, of today's show, but you know, it was a good game despite them only getting the one point in a draw. We talked about it, about how, how stingy the Houston defense is. I'm sure you saw that game. That was an extremely stingy defense. The goal, though, that they put in obviously Klaus getting a goal for the second straight game at the time that was really important I think Benjamin Hockman over at the post dispatch did an incredible piece because of it, what's special about that that goal moon is that all 10 outfield players touched the ball on that possession before it got to Klaus for the goal. And Hockman talked to each player on the field at the time and kind of broke down their contributions to that play. I thought that was a fascinating play, a great look into the team soccer that City has to play, and obviously just a huge goal for Klaus, getting him more comfortable. That was a big deal against a really tough Houston defense. Yeah, Klaus is awesome. Uh, since he's been back, that was my only worry is I wanted him to make sure he was getting uh, you know, get, getting goals in those first few matches back from that from that big injury. Uh, it helps with confidence. We know confidence can be a uh, a good medicine and a bad medicine as far as strikers go. But, you know, again, Houston draw and then the LAFC draw. So we're kind of getting used to that. And I'm going to tell you, as a, as a fan, uh, I don't think we would be tolerating draw after draw after draw if we if we weren't at the top of the Western Conference. You know, as, as a big fan that's just hoping that we stay top of the table over there, every single time we get a draw, it's almost like a oh, bummer, but it's kind of a, a, a sigh of relief. And it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that Klaus goal and everybody touching it. That was one of like, my high school team was 
great. We were freaking awesome, right? And we had played together throughout middle school and all that. And when we were kicking the ass of the opponent, one of one of almost like a drill that we would yep. do was making sure, like, hey, let's score a goal after everybody touches. After everybody touches the ball, you know, almost like a like a hacky sack, you know, when you get the hack, <laughs> and uh, and it's awesome to see that. And not only did we see that in in a match like that, and then Klaus gets a gets a goal against a great team that was defending well going into that match. Um, we saw it again yesterday in the first half, and I think even the announcers uh, during the first half of the LAFC match uh, mentioned about how City is moving the ball, They're really trying to control the ball, possess the ball, move the ball, and get touches on the ball. And it almost looked like a drill. You know, obviously we we came out of the season with uh, Coach Carnell talking about the uh, the counterattacking and the speed and the wing play and whatever we're going to do as far as. Um, as far as tactics and as, as far as strategy. But it's really fun to watch these guys game in and game out now and see the consistencies of the many touches before a goal-scoring opportunity, not just dump and run, not just dump and run, um, which was a little bit of what I was worried about when I first started hearing about the counterattacking yeah, strategy fair. being the main strategy. I was like, I don't want to see just dump and run Hockey, soccer. You know, that's a really good point because I, I, I think that there's if you play in a a big counter pressing style, there's a couple different ways to do it. You know, you can be that kind of, you know, you can kind of be the dam where you let pressure constantly like barrel down on you, and then as soon as they overcommit, that's when you snap against them. You know, you can have that style of counter press, which isn't really city, or you can have one where it's just hectic, break pacing, you know, full on gag impressing like like uh, Klopp would uh, bring brings the the EPL, or you can kind of find one in a middle ground where it's you find. A way to have possession soccer, and then when you're not in possession, that's where the press and the is coming from, and you play a high trigger. And I thought last night really was a great example because they were triggering really high. You saw AZ coming from that center spot yeah. where he would split the strikers every time as he would go after the ball, whether it was one of the center backs or the goaltender. So they're playing that press and they're triggering it high, but at the same time, when they actually have the ball, it's not just dump and run soccer. It's possession based and really combining the best of both worlds. It's not easy to do, but when you do it, I think we've seen across, not just MLS, world football. When you can combine both of those aspects, it's usually what you get with winning teams. Yeah, and you know what's incredible? We have to just take our hats off. Um, and I think I think more and more casual fans are going to really start to understand the value that we have in Coach Carnell and Lutz and this whole organization from the top. Not only putting together these players and putting and bringing people in like uh, you know Mark Hanick, who, who was what he was on the second squad over in Colorado. Yeah, they like, were not playing him at all. Like, but, but finding. Not only like good players and good skills, but like figuring out how they really go into not just the strategy, but the strategies of this team. And again, it's a relief and uh, another testament to how smart uh, these guys and gals are in the in the upper office of putting together these things. So when you hear the first match, you know, hey, we're going to be a counterattacking team and people like me worry about the dump and run, you find out that not just counterattacking dump and run, but we have counterattacking high pressure, intense pressure. Then we have counterattacking possess and give it back to Berkey, let Berkey work, work with his feet a little bit and spread mm-hmm. out the teams. Like There are like 11 different angles to this counterattacking team now, and now we're really seeing the smarts that have been put out on the field from the coaching, from the training, from all of it. And not only that with the strategies, but with the players. He's playing different players. He's kind of moving them around. He's strategizing each player's movement Mm -hmm. differently. And it's freaking sweet from an observer and like a studier to watch these matches, even if they end in nil-nil draws. I don't care what anybody says. That was a fascinating 
game to watch. That was a fun game to watch. The fact that it was nil-nil, I didn't even it, it didn't hit me until really until the 90th minute hit. And I'm like, oh, okay, this game's going to go scoreless. And then Tom Timmerman threw out that it was the first, it's the first ever nil-nil game in, in City's history. And I'm like, I don't care. Like as somebody yeah. who, again, we talked about it, you know, on, on on last week's episode, as somebody who who was naturally against soccer because of the classic stereotypical reasons, well, it doesn't score enough. It doesn't matter when you get that kind of back and forth, you know, on the edge of your seat. I've heard uh, on ESPN the game's gotten a couple comparisons to, like, the the one nothing Cardinals win over the Phillies in 2011 because it doesn't matter there's no scoring because at any moment, any ball coming off a foot could completely change the complexion of the game. And there's something special about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, and it's something I've said to, to new soccer fans. It's like, listen, man. When you tune into this match or you, you go to a match, are you staring at the scoreboard? If you're staring at the scoreboard, this is going to be a boring game because it's only 1-1 or it's only 3-2 or it's nil-nil. Like, but no one's watching the scoreboard. And when I talked about it briefly, because I have a tiny brief segment on the uh, the Riz Show today, um, you know, I said nil-nil and all of them were like, oh, we go, oh here we you go. Know, right into the stereotypes and they got to just hammer me for it. And I'm not even going to try to uh, explain anything on, uh, on that show in that segment because that's kind of the... Kind of the the stick of uh, of attacking me over soccer, but again, are you watching the scoreboard or are you watching the action? Because if you're watching the action, a match like that, you're okay with a nil nil. And again, we're top of the table. Uh, they were third place. They needed to gain points. We didn't necessarily. And um, I had some buddies that were there. I wish I could have been there. They were blasting Greek fire over the yes, they uh, were. Over I the, saw that over the the loudspeakers, which is great. I wish I could have been there. But they all said they had one of the greatest times of their lives. Like it was a great match. Great energy. It was awesome. We got to hold the reigning MLS champions to zero goals. And I'll tell you, there's some controversies there with that initial no handball and then a, a, po- a possible couple handballs that may have been like a makeup call since he made the wrong <laughs> call the first time. And I had a little bit of issues with the VAR taking a goal back on an offsides that was not called during the, the Houston match, I believe. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of drama to be seen. And for guys that are like guys and gals that are studying the sport, you're watching a match like yesterday and you're finding out a lot about your squads and it's, it's fun. So just have fun, will you? Yeah. And let's talk about some of the things we watched because really, there really were a lot of fascinating things to take. Something I didn't uh, put in our rundown, but you mentioned that I wanted to get to because I missed because I, I, I was watching a lot of other things. Cause like, I really watch the ball or I, I try to watch the ball as little as possible in this game and try to watch what people are doing around it. And one of the things I missed that a lot of people have been talking about and you brought it up. Berkey's ability to come out from the net and play the ball with his feet in kind of a sweeper keeper kind of role. You mentioned that. What did, what what jumped out to you about Berkey's game last night? Um, I mean, Berkey's always trying to keep clean sheets, uh, but I like that you can tell when he has the ball at his feet, he's not... Um, He's not one of those goalies that's just thinking about the net and just thinking about clean sheets and trying to get rid of the ball in the safest fashion. He's not. You can tell when he's looking up. He's not looking up to find like a space to dump the ball. Mm-hmm. He's actively, or from what I can tell, he looks like he's actively thinking about goal-scoring opportunities. And um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with defensive goalies that are you know okay with their feet or even great with their feet. But a lot of times when you see a ball at a goalie's feet, you can kind of tell what type of... Um, mind, soccer mind, mm-hmm. that they have. Are they just thinking about the goal? Are they just thinking about saves? And, oh, here I have the ball and I need to get it out of my, my quarter, my half. Um, but I think Berkey, when you when you watch him with the ball, and I think defenders, you can kind of notice how defenders attack him too when he has the ball. The defenders are not as confident because they know that Berkey is somewhat confident on, on, you know, with the ball at his feet. And you can see that he's looking, he's looking at the field 
in a way that he has been taught or trained with this particular um, this particular formation and philosophy, and, and whether it's the coaching or not, I don't know. But he is thinking about the strategy of the team as well. You can tell when he when he when he looks at the ball and he looks up at the field, he's trying to be a part. Uh, a small part or a big part of whatever the next play is that's going to lead to a goal-scoring opportunity rather than just clearing the ball. And I love that. And I love the way that you said that because I actually got a chance to ask Berkey last night about that big play where he almost picked up the hockey assist with that big, long pass. And Igor actually kind of asked him about what he sees there. No, uh, first of all, I was looking to the left. I think Klaus was moving or running to the left. And I saw that, I think it was Vela was... uh, saw that that I looked left he, he went left and Nico was all by himself so I knew I have just to play the ball there and uh, hope for the best and yeah it was it was a good chance um, yeah but that's the thing you know that's what I'm talking about we have to be in front of the goal we have to be more clinical so you heard it there right there from Berkey and I, I kind of asked him you know are you looking for specific plays like that or are you just looking to get the ball down there and hopefully something good happens and you heard him break it down he sees Klaus play it one way that pulls Vela the other way and then he sees Nico open up and so I think there's a lot of people if you just watch a City game you're wondering well is it just bombing it down the the field and hopefully something happening no 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 this guy is a maestro he's a conductor looking for something to break downfield and then take his shot and I think that was a, a really great insight into his game some other big things we talked about. Anthony Markanic was somebody we were texting about between you and I, Moon, during the game. He's been so incredible, and I thought last night was just a wild, great game for him. Again, this is the guy who they brought in during the transfer window in a trade with the Colorado Rapids, and then they bring in Thor. He's the big name, so he's the second of the, these acquisitions in the in the transfer window, smaller, and he has made such an incredible impact. He started at left fullback yesterday. And I don't know which one impressed me more, whether it was just his overall offensive game or the fact that he was able to combine it with a defensive game. The left side of City yesterday was a fascinating thing to watch. Between him, Leuven was playing out wide yesterday and left in that diamond midfield. Just the interplay they had where Markanic would get forward, Leuven would drop back, and then they they would... always be able to link the ball up. There was a couple plays early on in the first, I don't know if you remember it, where Markanic just really patiently just dribbling through the levels of the L.A. defense, and he almost actually got one of their big goals. I'm just so impressed with what this kid's doing, and the fact that he's doing it not just from a winger spot, but he's doing all this offensive work while also having all of that defensive responsibility. It's so impressive. Yeah, one of the things I like about Markanic, or at least the the few minutes that I've gotten to watch him so far, is... um, he seems like a strong barrel of energy without being too big or too small. Um, I think he can kind of be really sneaky uh, in ways that are going to really benefit this type of team, especially with like you know like a bigger, thicker midfielder like mm-hmm. like you know like like Leuven. Leuven's got some wheels, but he's not he's not a speed demon. He's not gonna he's not Absolutely. gonna trick you on speed necessarily. Whereas Markanic, when I was watching him. It's kind of hard to grasp, and I'm a, you know I'm like a natural born defender. So like usually when you're when you're when you're defending people, when you're when you're kind of watching them, you're sizing them up in a hundred different ways to see like okay, can this guy beat me in a in a sneaky quickness? Is he mm-hmm. is he a is he a great runner at pace for for long distances? There's a hundred different things that are going through your head. And when I was watching Markanic, I wasn't exactly sure what his um, his his greatest. Uh, 
weapon would be. You get that stop me. start stuff going too. That that that's got to be tricky as a defender when you're expecting the guy to just to commit. Either I'm going to get forward, I'm going to get inside, or I'm going to get wide. And but he's kind of stop and starting inside outside. You yeah. really didn't know what he was going to do. He's he's going to be. I think if he's used right, and if he really just works hard, trains hard, and really has what seems to be like a the high soccer IQ there, um, I think he's going to be a heck of a weapon because. Um, we, we have some strikers and players from Leuven to Klaus to G- Joe Aquini that, like, after you watch him for half an hour, okay, you know what type of player these guys are, what their moves are, what their weaknesses are. Uh, Adinaran, you know, I, I didn't see some of his strengths come out until this, this, these last couple weeks, and where I'm seeing a ton of strengths in him. So you can see, like, all the puzzle pieces, and Markanik's going to be possibly that wild, wild card that could really, like, make a difference. Maybe not on, like, score sheets that, you you know, you stack up on the season, like a high goal score or any of that, but, like, little things where where when you know, you know that, wow, that was the difference maker in this match that happened to be the difference maker in the season. You know what I'm saying? He might just yeah. be that sort of under-the-radar secret weapon somewhere. And I, I think one of the main reasons it's been like that is because City did such a great job of incorporating who they had at the left back spot, and as much, as great as Kyle Hebert was, he was a center back with some you know with 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 better than average wheels who was being asked to play out of position at fullback, and so and, and you know unfortunately Selmir Pedro was never able to work out, so you were always kind of wondering what's going on at the left back spot. John Nelson was in there earlier in the season, and again he's a solid player, but just the consistent level that you need from your back four in this system wasn't there, and so they were kind of faced with a question mark. And Markanic has been, I think, we can safely say, better than they even expected, which is, you know, kudos to the scouting group here at at STL City. But to have a position that you've been kind of having to save face for and kind of shift the the formation in a way that you're compensating for maybe not having that level of player at left back. And now all of a sudden you get a guy who can not only play your defensive scheme but can range up forward in, a, in almost a wing back way that none of your other left backs were able to do before that. It just opens up a complete part of the playbook that I think Carnell just kind of had blank or had to you know, block out. Mm-hmm. And like you were talking about earlier, when you have a coach as good as Bradley Carnell, at any point if you're giving him more options throughout a week to plan a game plan it's going to work out in his favor yeah man I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a a great addition here and to show the confidence too up against uh reigning uh, MLS champions we have defenders that are you know world-class defenders Chiellini Chiellini and uh what Boateng is out there I mean there's there's like there was there was a lot of skill and a lot of intimidation factor that didn't seem to rattle any of our guys uh you know new or old um, so and, and like you said, man, uh, a kudos and a credit to the scouting team. Like it, it just everybody in the office at St. Louis City uh, has 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 really impressed as much as the players have. And I and I think even the casual fans are really starting to understand that because guys, we're an expansion team. We're at the top of the Western Conference, the top of the Western Conference, hanging in there with MLS champions and all this kind of stuff, not just hanging in there, beating them and, and scoring more points than they have. And uh, and that is not just a testament to the players. It's a testament to the players, the strategies, the office, the, the, the coaching, the the scouting, all of it. So kudos to them. Uh, Clinch's playoff spot last night with, with, that, um, with that draw. And, of course, Galaxy uh, beat uh, Minnesota United 4-3, uh, to three, and that puts us in. So now we can... Breathe a sigh of, of of relief, but we want to we want to 
we want to shut out everybody from here until the end, embarrass the league, and just wa- run away with it. And obviously you have Seattle coming up later in October, another home game, another way to prove that, that you know, if they're the number one seed in the West, and it, heck, it, it, the numbers uh, say they probably won't, but if they're able to catch Cincinnati and be the number one overall seed in the entirety of the playoffs, that's saying the road comes through City Park. This isn't, there's no Super Bowl here, ladies and gentlemen. There's no neutral sites. If you're the number one seed, you get your your home field advantage through the conference final, and if you're the number one seed in the MLS, that championship game is happening at your stadium, and they have been unbelievable at home. And so, if you can again settle your home field advantage with a win over the Seattle Sounders, potentially clinching the number one overall seed while beating the team that you might have to beat in the conference finals, LAFC, another very good chance, obviously, to be in those conference finals. If you're able to mark these guys, play with them full 90s, maybe even beat Seattle, it's just I can't imagine the confidence you give this fan base going into their first ever playoff run. Yeah, that's a big deal. And listen, I know uh, a ton of us have been able to get down to City Park and see these matches. And I know there's a few people that, since it's you know mid to to end of the season here, um, a lot of people have gotten into City Park for the first time these last couple weeks mm-hmm. to to see this. And if you're still new or you're you know you feel so, somewhat newish, uh, you know this is a podcast that we initially developed, Michelle and I, to to get people into soccer and kind of give you some uh, just basics on soccer and what to look for. And I'm encouraging you, if you have just recently gone to City Park for the first time, or maybe it's coming up here in the next couple weeks, um, like Rocchio mentioned earlier, watch some of the guys off of the ball. Don't just watch the ball. Watch some of these players off the ball. That is how you will find your favorite player. That's how you're going to find who's hustling, who's not, who's maybe uh, you know a really intelligent soccer player and who's just sort of, sort of kind of feeling out their position or feeling out their team or something like that. Watching off the ball is just as much a, a part of this game as watching on the ball because you know nothing stops. It's, it's continual action. It's harder to do when you're watching on TV, but you still can do that to a certain extent. So that's where you're going to really find your hero players. And they're not always just the the, the, the number 10s or the, or, the, or the goal scorers. One of my favorite players ever for Manchester United was one of the unsung heroes. I mean, he was recognized later, but uh, Herrera in in the midfield mm-hmm. was just an absolute key component, and when he was gone, holy smokes, was there a hole? And you you, you watch guys like Modric these these last mm-hmm. few years. Obviously, he's he's gotten his uh, his just desserts and everything. But when he first hit the hit the scene. You know, like soccer folks were watching this guy going, wow, this is a key player. Maybe not on a stat sheet, but like key player. And that's how you're going to find him is watching guys off of the ball. So let me encourage you to do that if you're a new fan uh, to, uh, to to the sport or to the team. This is an exciting place to be. And uh, and I'm, I'm just so proud of our city and, and, and everything that we've done to support this team. Obviously, it makes it easy when they're kicking butt. I love that point, too, because I've also noticed that I'll be watching a game and, and you know, the first 45 minutes will end. So it's halftime. you got a little downtime. I'll, I'll pull up Facebook and I'm in a couple of these these fan groups. And I, and I see a lot of people, the initial reaction in some of these games, Houston, L.A., have just been like, man, these guys, this is a terrible first half of soccer. And I'm like, I think the issue is is people watching the ball too often because so many things can happen with the ball where it just ricochets weird ways. You know, first touches just don't go the way you expect, and you just want to be like, wow, they're not playing solidly. And I think that's what the issue is. If you look around everything that's happening to get the ball in those spots, all the people working to make that happen, I think you definitely will see the quality of this team deeper. I think watching the ball almost gives you a shallow view in a way that I think City's better if you watch them off the ball. I think there's, because things can be hectic and because, you know, they're, they're always, you know, there's a lot of different guys who, who are who are coming in and out of the lineup at different times. They're talented, but 
I think there's times where only watching the ball actually hurts you when it comes to City because there's so much happening behind the scenes that sets up all these big moments. You might want to just see the, you know, that, that big Zhao Klaus goal, but you didn't see the 14 times before that where he pressured that guy that way and yeah. he didn't get a steal. But 15th time, he got that steal. And there's something about seeing the first 14 times he pressured that guy that didn't work that makes the 15th time even more special. Yeah, it's much closer to chess than checkers, too. And first-timers usually think, like, you know, it's just a bunch of people out in a formation yeah, kicking the ball boom. around. Yeah. But uh, a lot of times these strikers are trying to work out the defense and see what they're doing. Are they man-marking? Are they moving over here? Are they, they, they parking the bus? What are they doing? And especially in this moment in the season, in this particular atmosphere in the season, a lot of these teams are playing strategies to not worry so much about uh, scoring goals, it's really to to not lose or, or gain a point or or you know what I'm saying. Like at the beginning oh, of the Minnesota season, Minnesota could they they could have really helped doing that instead of you know yeah. they were up two one against the Galaxy. They end up losing four three, and now right now they're staring outside in at the playoffs because yeah, of that. Exactly, and because of the, because of this place in the season, a lot of people are just trying to hold on to playoff contention, or they're trying to do this, or they're trying to do that. It's a little different at the beginning of the season when everybody's just trying to come out, score goals, and 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 make impressions. So there's a lot of strategy going on on the field and off the field. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, but it's an exciting sport, and this is about the time where things really start to get fiery. Really start to get fiery. Um, and it's going to be exciting. City is uh, coming up on here on Saturday, uh, playing against that Minnesota United team that we just mentioned, and that is one step closer to clinching home field advantage, That, like you said, uh, with the conference final. And... Um, it's going to be exciting. What time does that game start? It's going to be 7.30 p.m. first kick in, in, or uh, kickoff, however you want to talk about it. And again, that one's going to be tricky. Minnesota United, last night that was their first League Cup regulation, or not League Cup, sorry, um, just league game regulation loss since July before the restart. So, I mean, they, they were a team that was really cruising. They were getting their spot up. They had a lot of draws in there, but nonetheless, they are right now sitting a point out of that ninth wild card spot. So, I mean, Minnesota is going to be absolutely clawing for all three points. So, it's going to be interesting to see if St. Louis, do they maybe play a little bit more of a conservative style? I'm not saying, they're ever, I'm not saying the style could ever be called conservative, but instead of the, the, the fullbacks like we saw against LAFC constantly pushing the attacking third, yeah. does maybe City play back a little bit more knowing that Minnesota United cannot play for one point. they got to play for all three. Yep, the clash of strategies will be on full display on Saturday. You said 7.30 start? 7.30. Cool, that's Apple TV Plus. Um, hey man, thank you for joining us. Thanks for uh, for sticking with us there. I know we had a little bit of a lull while Michelle took that big gig. Congratulations again to Michelle Smallman. She is just the best of the best. She's over in New York just cruising and I'm so thankful to you for joining the crew Rockio. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much for having me Moon and of course you guys can hear Michelle every morning before the opening drive kicks off on 101 ESPN. You get two hours of unsportsmanlike on ESPN with Michelle, Chris Canty, and Evan Cohen, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. You got anything else, Rockio? No, everyone just enjoy the game. I hope everyone had a great job, great job by the fans last night. I know it got a little rainy. I haven't heard a single person complain about the rain. No. That's huge with the weather, with, with everything. The fans were incredible last night. Can't wait to watch this game in Minnesota. It's going to be fascinating. Just keep that Seattle game circled. We're going to be talking a lot about that over the next couple weeks. That's right. And just to close it out, I just want to say to my buddy Dave uh, in Lincoln Park, who's a giant LAFC fan, that uh, no, you did not take three points from St. Louis City. No, you did not, Dave. But uh, yeah, let's go out, Rocky, on a goal! goal!